It is National Matchmaker Day, so tag those matchmakers, folks. Help me help you. Yes, we got a wonderful story about an old BGYN who took a mother from tears to a heart full of love. Can't wait for that yes. one. We've got retired pastor Dr. Wayne Flora, and he's going to be talking about his new book that battles and deals with depression from a personal uh, experience that he had in his life. It is going to help you. It is titled Deep Dark Black Hole. It is awesome. And yet again, Brandon Nicholson has come out with a fabulous devotion about hope. Yeah. This one you just cannot miss. So tag those matchmakers. If you're single, tag yourself. Tag a matchmaker. Matchmakers, find your single friends. Tag them. Everybody, just tag everybody. Looking for love. Mm. Uh, do it right now. I am Paul. I'm Mark. And this is Beyond Limits. Beyond Limits Films present. A positive, motivating, real news, fun, interactive, prize-winning, gift-giving podcast. Start your mornings with the guys. Welcome to Beyond Limits. Comment below if you're a matchmaker. Yeah, if you're a matchmaker. Or. Or. You know a matchmaker. You were put together by a matchmaker and they did the matching. Or. Or. You have a friend that you want to get a match to. Oh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. need somebody to step in the fray. Where are you guys? Ow! That's it. Boom! Let's do it. I like Co that. Comment them names. Tag them people down below. Yeah. And so do that. If you were put together by somebody, tag them down below. Say thank you. Let them know. Today's whole purpose in it being National Matchmaker Day is for you to comment down below and say, thank you, so-and-so. And I know a few matchmakers. Uh, do you? I don't, I don't I do. think I know any. I do. Not I know personally. one. Her name is our writer, Brandon Nicholson, oh. KDA, uh, Kinston Dental Associates. His wife, uh, Carrie Nicholson, is a matchmaker. Like She apparently has a 100% Carrie. Let them know. You better let them know. It has a 100% success nice. rating. Yeah. All of her, so far, all of her people have met and thrived. That's awesome. I know. That's awesome. So and they, and are you single? A, so it's, it looks like the, Jew, the, the Jewish yenta. Is that what the yenta of the matchmaker hmm. right? I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Random knowledge. Nope. Tell, tell, tell it to I, me. That's all I know. Oh, I think well. that's what they're called. Yenta? Yentas. The matchmakers. Yeah, I think well, so. Well, yeah, so yeah, she is She is one. Someone Google one it. Them. Tag it below. Yeah. Do, do all that stuff. Yenta. But that, so. Yeah, so if you were put together by a matchmaker, thank them. If you need to be put together by a matchmaker, let us know down matchmaker, below. Matchmaker, you know single friends? Tag your single. <laughs> Every time you say matchmaker, I just think of the Ms. Doubtfire scene. Every single time. This one. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. All right, so, <laughs> I love that movie. It's that was great. a good movie. So, how did you and Bridget meet? Well, I gotta first say, Robin Williams, what a what a treasure, and this is about today's show too, right? <sighs> what a, what a treasure that we lost to yeah. depression and things like that. It, but we'll get into all that stuff a little bit behind later. the smile, right? You I never guess. know. Yeah, suffering silence. Gosh. Right, so anyway, how did how did Bridget? Yeah, and you, and, you meet? and Bridget. So, I first saw Bridget in high school. Mm -hmm. We're high school sweethearts. So I'll put that out there. Um, so I first saw her in the band room. Yeah. Uh, I was a freshman. She was a junior. Did she know? Wait. She did not Whoa. know me. No, no. She did so not. So she's like, so you're younger than her. Correct. Yep. yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, and I was a freshman too, and we were in the, in, in, uh, in band. Yeah. Well, 
we were doing a, a trip to New York to play some uh, big festival concert thing in New York, and mm-hmm. uh, they needed more people in the in the senior band, the, the symphonic band is what they called it. Yeah. And so as a freshman, I was pretty good. Uh, so they brought up some freshmen to who were good enough to be in that band by the end of the year. It was, you know, springtime. You were one of them? So I was one of them. Yeah. And that's the first time I saw her. Benton talked to her, but I saw her. I was like, okay, you know, maybe. Look course. in your face. Right. How oh, great. Right. And yeah. then, of course, the the school year ended and everything like that. And it, you know, didn't meet her, didn't know who she was. Yeah. Well, the following uh, summer, you know, right after spring, summer, we go to band camp. And I see her. Of course, I asked my friends about her, who's at, et cetera, et cetera. And, and of course, at that time, she had another boyfriend that she was dating. Mm. So, but she has a best friend who's, that she's still best friends with her to this day. Right. Uh, so, what does this genius do? Become friends with her best friend. <laughs> make the best friend believe that I'm a better boyfriend to her than her current boyfriend. Oh, I have a plan. Right. Plotting. Yes. Congratulations. And uh, long story short, it all worked out. It all worked out. And now they, yeah. if you're new to the family, the Beyond Limits right. family here, um, they now have a brand new five month old, five month old baby girl, baby girl, Amelia. Amelia. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's a success story. Success story, yes, yes. Definitely. I love it. Yeah. So uh, how about you and Melissa? How did you guys meet? I was actually, it was kind of different. It, I was supposed to meet one of her friends. She went to a rival um, high school. Well, I went to Columbia, for those who watch, uh, Columbia, North Carolina. We graduated like 30 Terrell people. County. Ter- Terrell County. Um, and she went to Crestwell. We were rivals. We played uh, football and, uh, yeah, rival teams. Anyways, I was supposed to meet one of the friends. It fell through for whatever reason, so I'm there. I ended up meeting her. First time I saw her was at a football game, and of course, that's back before I had love handles, and you know, it was a lot less that I had there then. And uh, so I remember meeting her afterwards, and I walk up to her, and so Melissa's five, three, five, four, and uh, so I walk up to her, and She's standing, but there was a hole there. So, uh, very first words I ever said to her were, I think I'll come down, um, let me come down to your level. And I stood in the hole so we were the same height. And it was so goofy. I was wearing a, I was wearing a goofy, <laughs> a goofy Hawaiian shirt. Because they were a thing. They were in style, right? They were a thing. It was bright orange. I had a few of those myself. It was so horrible. I, I, I looked the, so goofy. All the way down. Yes, you it buttoned all the way down, and I had like drawstring pants, like I was karate, like kid looking. I don't know, it was right. drawstring. That was the style back then. There was a style, and I was wearing like flip flops. So weird. Oh. Yeah, do y'all ever look back on like yourselves? Right. And you're like, they got to right. Wow. But, what was I thinking? But it's funny though, like a lot of those styles are starting to come back again. Yes. What ones? I've s- there's several of them. The tie dye's coming back. Tie dye shirts, yes. The big baggy yep. pants are coming back. Yep. Mm-hmm. What were they called? J- um, Jungo or Jinko. something? Jinko. Yes, I had a few of those. Best did you there. really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sure did. <laughs> this oh, is the greatest yeah. day to. ever. I mean, that was a style, right? So that was that in was fact a style, a style. So you had to. That but was it was style. great. Let us know. Um, comment down below. First of all, uh, are you the matchmaker? Are you a matchmaker? Are you looking for a matchmaker? Are you single? Do you need a friend? Right. Um, Christian friends only. We ain't looking to you know wreak havoc and destroy people. Um, no, so definitely. comment down below. Comment down below those matchmakers um, and let us know. Hey, if you've got a significant other, today's right now is the perfect time. Tag them below and tell them something nice. That's it. That's it. 
and you're it's gonna be great when you get home like it's gonna be wonderful you're gonna have a wonderful day just because of this yeah tag them like men if you have to stop at the grocery store on the way home pick up a little bouquet of flowers yeah that's always nice that is nice most most women appreciate that just random for no reason you know what Melissa likes you know, what's that she's more of an applicable person yeah um so something that's not gonna die in a couple days <laughs> no something she can <laughs> eat right away there you go. candy bar yes. and a Dr Pepper nice Kit Kat uh, did you know there's like a Dr. Pepper shortage? Is there? Yes. Because of COVID, of course. Really? Yes. 100%. Remind me to get Dr. Pepper on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's amazing. It'll, it'll do it. She's on it. She's on Done. it. Done. There you go. Siri will get it. <gasps> Look at that. If you tell, yeah. if you tell Siri to remind me on the way home, about? it's going to track. It says arriving. So when I arrive home, it's going to remind me to go get Dr. Pepper. Yeah, well, actually, when you leave the geographical fence of this location, it'll remind you. <laughs> Are you learning new things about the... I, I about feel the like show. I learn something new every show. It's good, though. You should. You should learn something new every but show. But I'm hosting the show, and I'm the one learning. I feel like you give so much, and I give so little. No, no, no you give plenty. Trust me. How was your weekend, by the way? Was it, it was good? It was a great weekend. Good. It was a good weekend. We had a, that tropical storm or whatever come through, so it was kind of humid, but, I mean, it was a good week. Yeah. Can't complain. I went down to uh, Havelock for the for the day Saturday. Back home. Yeah. yeah, back home. Yeah, so that was, it didn't rain there at all, which was nice. It was humid, but it was a great, beautiful day. Your mom's cool. Yeah. Your mom's cool. Yeah, my mom's cool. She always gets up here and she comments down below. She does. Yep. I'm so used to saying comment, and she comments, and she's like, "You know, you, did you see that she switched um, from Hey Mark, I love you' to now it's my guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Ma. So, um, anyways, so yes, that's wonderful. Comment down below. Let us know. Are you single? Are you looking for somebody? Are you a matchmaker? That's the perfect storm right there. We have got um, a perfect devotion. But first, this well, O B G Y N. Yes, this O B G Y N. I right. love it. Yeah. So, uh, a Taylor Ellis was born with glaucoma, which, you know, means you can't see. Yeah. At some point in your life. This is her your, right here. Your this vision. Is yes. Her. Your vision. Your vision goes away. Yeah. Uh, so she has two kids previously for this one that she just recently had, and mm-hmm. she was able to see the ultrasounds and see the children, things like that. Well, uh, during her twenty-week ultrasound scan for her most recent um, child. She wasn't able to see the ultrasound. Yeah. And she was just devastated in tears. Um, you know, just didn't experience what other mothers experienced going to the doctor. That's and, a big moment. Right. And yeah. seeing seeing your baby when you act you know, twenty weeks you can pretty much see kind of a face and things like that, right? Yeah. Well, the doctors found out about it and sent her a three D printed uh ultrasound. Check this out. Check this out. Looks it looks I mean it looks Obviously, it's the same person. But That's I mean, cool. That is crazy, right? They took the 3D ultrasound, sent it to a 3D printer, and they sent this to her in the mail so that she could, you know, as blind people do, feel. Yeah. Feel the face, and she was able to see her child. And as you see here in the next picture, that's them. Yeah. Her and her baby girl. Uh, now she's 10 weeks old, um, and she, it was just amazing. Right. Yeah. Just the small acts of kindness like that. A doctor's office went out of their way. Out of their way. Didn't have to. Didn't have to at all. Went out of their way. This is arcs. Act of random kindness. That's gonna stick. Acts of random kindness. Yeah. Uh, Taylor said, "I always thought about what my baby would look like, and was saddened to know I wouldn't have the same opportunity seeing other mothers." She goes, "My sight wasn't as bad uh, with my first two kids, 
so I could see the 2D pictures or the 2D ultrasound. Um, but when, when they did the 3D ultrasound for her, she goes, I had the realization that this was my baby's face. It was so heartwarming. I showed off my scan to my daughters and my parents on video chat. That's what awesome. a cool story. I tell you, that is awesome. And it, again, just, you know, doctors, people recognizing that you have someone who's, you know, in need of something, yeah. right? She's devastated at this that she couldn't see and, and for them just to take it upon themselves to go out of the way, yeah, yeah. right? To do it and send it. And didn't tell her it was coming. Didn't, yeah, you know, schedule any type of thing. Just did it and sent it in the mail. And they didn't need no thanks for it. They didn't need. I love know. it. I love. I love everything about the story. So get out of your lane today. Right. It's Monday. You got all week to do it. But start today. Get out of your lane. Whatever. Because I guarantee. Most people here take the same road, take the same stoplights, do their exact same thing. If you're going to get gas, you go to the same gas station. Well, you know, take 10 minutes a day and do something to get out of that habit. One, it's safer. It's always safer not to do the same thing from a cop's perspective. But two, get out of that routine and do something for somebody else today that just is unexpected and crazy. Spread some positivity and let us know down below. That'll be just motivate some people. Today's devotion. Yes, yes. Today's devotion is pretty much all about that yeah right and and uh we'll have uh dr pastor wayne on a little bit just after the devotion and he's going to talk about his personal experience with uh with uh, depression and and how even pastors you know deal with this kind of stuff and um, and um but in pastors but everybody i mean we talked about um robin williams earlier you know at the beginning of the show so uh there's their depression touches everybody every socioeconomic status every color every everything there's no there's nobody that it can't touch, right? So, yeah. And hey, so we're going to start this devotion, and we want y'all as we're reading this devotion, or as we go through the interview, the interview, we want y'all. If you're dealing with this, and we, we want it to be so super serious that you you understand the gravity of what we're talking about right now. If you're dealing with anything we're about to talk about, and you it's it's not, and you're silently dealing with it, and you're like, man, I, I don't want to comment down below, but I need, I do need to get help message us we know we have a team of doctors that are willing to talk to you we have a team of pastors if that's it we are we surround ourselves with really good people to uh, qualified people to keep us where we need to be to keep us motivated and they are available to you so if you are one of these so many people that are going through this silently right now stop doing it alone that's not the that's not the point that's not the purpose in life to do all this alone um so message us let us know down uh down below right that's awesome so devotion devotion let's do it let's do it this one is titled hope you're going to be able to follow along at the bottom of the screen star wars style star wars style that's nice right yeah um so we're going to get them started down below hope what is hope webster's defines hope as a feeling or expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen or if used as a verb to want something to happen or be the case as in I hope it doesn't rain today, or I hope my team wins the game. How does the Bible define hope? In the New Testament, the Greek word used for hope is elpis. That's E-L-P-I-S. It can be defined as a joyful and confident expectation of good or eternal salvation. Did you catch the big difference there? The first is this, that we just want something to happen. The second is that we are confident it will happen. In Romans 4.18, Paul talks about this hope when discussing Abraham. He says, against all hope, 
Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham, against all physical uh, possibility, still relied on the hope and the promise of God that he would have a child. He knew and rested on God's promise that he would be the father of many nations. God was his hope. Faith and hope sound a lot alike, don't they? Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old when Isaac was born. And that seems physically and medically impossible to us in this day and age. But with God, friends, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. So how can we apply this to our lives? Are you currently in a massive struggle? Are you at the end of your rope? Do you have any hope left in you? Do you think it's impossible to get out of your situation? Are you so far down in the depth of depression that you don't see a way out? Let us remind you that God of Abraham is still the same God today. That's so good. He is still doing, man, this is important. Tune in right here. Pay attention. Open your ears. Tune everything else out. God, he is still doing the impossible. He is still doing miracles. He is still healing the sick. He is still moving mountains. He is still binding up the brokenhearted. He is still bringing people out of the depths of depression. Don't lose hope. Remember that biblical definition of hope? It is a confident expectation. Rest My friends, in that confident expectation today that God will deliver you from out of your circumstances, your pain, your struggle, or whatever it may be, God is here to rescue you. Couldn't say it better myself. You know, I think Brandon takes pride in in making me get goosebumps all the time. I I do. He he definitely makes uh, makes your emotions move. Yeah. For sure. And it's so serious. Right. Yeah. And... It is, and and I'll, and I'll be uh, the first one to say it here. I mean, there there is somebody that I go talk to at least yearly. Yeah. Um. Just you know, because we have seen so many things in our, you know, li- our previous our previous lives, as they say, as far as w- what we used to do. Yeah. Right. And um, with things that we see even today, I mean, uh, if you don't talk to somebody about it, yeah. if you don't have that outlet. It just builds up and builds up and builds up, and, and at some point, it becomes too heavy, and you crumble. Yeah. Right? And and that's what we want to stop. We want to prevent true. that, because if you crumble, then you're not good at, you're not good for anybody or not good to anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, so it, it's it's a very serious thing, for sure, and, and you know, um, if, if I can, anybody can. I mean, you're right. Yeah. Go talk to somebody. Let them know that that you're hurting or that you have, um, you know, some type of struggles or pains, mm-hmm. and go for it. Yeah, and folks, don't give up. Don't give up, even though it something may end for you. The people who are left behind when it ends for you are absolutely devastated. You might feel worthless, and there are two sides. Maybe it's something you've seen that you didn't cause, and that's causing this. But at the same time, maybe it's something that you did cause. And you're silently suffering because you you're just you feel ashamed, you feel done, you feel naked, you just feel torn. Okay, realize this: when Isaiah the prophet, remember he was a prophet, God talked to him directly. When Isaiah the prophet saw God, 
his words out of his mouth was, I am torn. He was a prophet. He was good. Why was he torn? Well, he tells you, he goes, because I am a man of unclean lips. The Bible doesn't really say what that was, what he was talking about, what he did. But when Isaiah, this prophet who delivered God's message, was faced with the God of the universe, he goes, man, I am torn. But what does God do? God does this perfect thing to him, this holy God. The angels start proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And God goes, who's going to go for us? Who will we send? And Isaiah steps up after after they take this fire. And it seems like this this cleansing period, that's because exactly, that's what it is. He, they take this fire and they put it on Isaiah's mouth. And there's this perfect picture of repentance. Isaiah coming to God and, and having this perfect repentance, friends, and then... God saying, who are we going to send? And Isaiah goes, send me. Folks, I'm telling you, you have a God that loves you so very much. You have us too. <laughs> and we love y'all so very much. We want to see y'all succeed. We want to see y'all strive. What we don't want to see is y'all to suffer in pain and silence and put on a fake face for everybody to see and then hide behind it because that's not living. Definitely not. That's just waiting waiting right that's just getting through it that's getting you shouldn't have to get through it yes right exactly gosh that was great paul that's good I, so, don't, guys, don't, yeah, God's that good. was great uh, see like you learn things from me <laughs> in the in the <laughs> parts of the show right? anyway, back and forth yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I learned stuff so yeah i mean it's, it's great but yeah i mean don't go it alone yeah and, and and don't just go through the motions get out of that routine right and, and like you said just but we're about to bring on uh Dr. Pastor, Pastor Wayne, Doctor Pastor, Pastor Doctor Wayne, Pastor Doctor Doctor Pastor Wayne, and this we're going to talk a little bit more about this and and uh, about his book. This is well, so we're going to bring him on. Um, Doctor Wayne Flora, retired pastor, wrote this book. Um, just got it on Friday, and it is an exceptional read. It is a great read, That's and it is easy. Too. It's not hard. Yeah, it's no. not hard to read. You can get it in a hardback paperback on Amazon. We're going to drop the link. But at this time, wait, hey, we. Know for a fact you are going to be moved by this. We know if tag somebody right now. We've done the matchmaker stuff. Keep tagging them throughout, of course. But um, tag somebody who who you think might need hope. Tag them. Right, and you don't even have to tag them if you don't think you don't want their information out there like that. You can share it in yes. a private message to them directly. Share the video now to him. He's okay. about to come on. You out to everyone out there. Someone knows someone who needs to hear this. Yep. Yep. Pastor friends, everybody, can we bring him on? Let's bring him. Let's do it. Beyond Limits family, help me welcome Pastor Retired Dr. Wayne Flora to the show. Do it. Beyond Limits family, welcome back. We would like to welcome our Skyping guest here, yes. Dr. Wayne Flora to the Beyond Limits podcast. Yep. Uh, Pastor Wayne is an adjunct professor at Pentecostal Theological Seminary, an adjunct professor at Lee University. Yep, he worked at the University Church of God, studied small group ministry at Columbia Theological Seminary, uh, studied clinical pastoral education at Pitt County Memorial, and studied business administration at Pitt Community College. I feel like we need to take like a huge breath in between right. this. <laughs> the list goes on. It goes on and on. Sure. Stu studied pastoral care and counseling at Pentecostal Theological Seminary, studied biblical historical studies at Lee University. And Wayne is an author, husband, father, and grandfather, but above all else is a follower of Christ. Yeah, so uh, Pastor Man. Wayne, 
welcome to our Beyond Limits family. Thank you so kindly, Mike and Paul. Uh, my favorite study is neology. I study that in my closet of prayer. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I, I get what you did there. That was awesome. Um, so hey, this is what we're talking about today. Uh, Pastor Wayne's new book. Um, okay, so before we get started, um, because I, I'm going to read about this because it, there's some staggering facts. But before we get started, you're retired, Pastor what should I call you Pastor Wayne or uh, Dr. Floor? Because I, whichever you want is what we're going to call you. Both are exceptional. Well, you are gracious to uh, offer either, but I'm doctor to my students at Lee and PTS. I am pastor to my peers and I'm Wayne to my friends. <laughs> so you're welcome to pastor feels like my first name, Paul, honestly, because okay. that is my heart. I love people. I love it. That is awesome. That's wonderful. That yep. that's great. You can, you, you can't, you can't take that away. This book right. right here, beyond limits family, this book right here deals with something that a lot of people, far too many people go through and they go through it in silence. All right. I'm going to read some statistics right here. And, uh, it, it's un it's unreal. Okay, so we encourage you to look at this and just listen to this with your with your heart. And if you, this belongs to you, if you're holding this or you know somebody who is, please reach out, reach out. Every day, 129 Americans take take their lives. Anxiety disorder is no respecter of persons or religions. People of faith, however, are sometimes leery of seeking help for fear. It will stigmatize their witness of God's love to others. This is the story of a Christian pastor's mental emotional collapse and the horrors he and his family face trying to survive this debilitating and devastating crisis many readers are in this picture suffering silently either unsure where to go for help or refusing help altogether written in narrative fashion wayne walks you through the unfolding nightmare of this terrifying experience telling his story with breathtaking descriptives the writer wayne let's you feel his pain and hear his agonizing thoughts until finally, at long last, a faint ray of hope springs up and gives reason to believe he can survive this harrowing health crisis. Perhaps you or someone you know may need the help resonating in the sharing of this story. Take a moment to see how it speaks to you, then pass it, this book, to a relative or friend who needs it as well. Very, very well said. Very well said. So, Pastor Wayne, we yes, said it again, but welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate it. The book is thank you, John. The book is incredible. Uh, in it, you share some very deep and very uh, and varying experiences that lead you down the road of perfectionism, that seem to be a never-ending battle. Can you describe what that looked like for you? I certainly can, uh, Mark. Albeit stating right up front that we may never know and others may never know whether when this crisis occurs in anyone's health, it is totally, completely genetic or otherwise situational or a combination of both. I can say I was certainly candidate. I was set up for this experience because I have always had uh, a demeanor of perfectionism almost all my life. In fact, in my youth ministry at Farmington Heights, Church of God back in the 80s, my nickname was Perf. <laughs> I was called Perf for that reason. And I highly academic pursuits were with that ideology of perfectionism as well. I carried that into pastoral ministry. 
took me a long time to realize, guys, that there's a big difference between perfectionism and excellence. Mm. Perfectionism is striving to be something we cannot. And I don't think when Jesus said, strive to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, the word there is actually a teleos. Uh, and it's a statement of completion or wholeness. Try to be complete, whole, and sound and healthy as your Heavenly Father he is not necessarily perfect without error in your attitude, demeanors, or ways. And excellence, however, is just simply doing the best you can with what resources and gifts and abilities God has given you. I carried perfectionism with me into the ministry. So to the extent my crisis was situational or provoked by situational distress, my perfectionism lent a hand. It yeah. definitely did. Yeah. Type, type A personality, uh, drivenness, uh, compelling myself beyond what is rational, reasonable, never saying no, never getting the proper rest, never getting sleep, never slowing down, never asking for help, um, and expecting unrealistically more of myself than what I, as a believer in Christ or a mortal human being, could actually offer. So it definitely set the stage. It yeah. lent a hand. It, it was almost like there was no off switch everything had to be it had to be done correctly and that switch never got turned to dim at least exactly and furthermore i'll say as i was the founding pastor of the university church of god um it was very difficult for me to cast vision and broaden the base of leadership capacity at the same time mm -hmm. for instance in the book i mentioned that i told our choir i will direct this choir until someone better than I comes along. Well, I directed the choir 10 years. Gentlemen, what does that say to you? That was an Achilles heel. It should have been an indicator to me that I did not release authority and responsibility uh, soon enough or more readily enough to maybe prevent the onset of this crisis that eventually culminated you know, in my pastoral ministry, in my life, in my home and family. Yeah, and I... Yeah. I I think this quote um, spans across many different fields. We've been reading through your book uh, here over the past few days um, and practices, but you felt obligated to, as you put it, carry the burden, uh, no matter what the burden was or who it belonged to. And so many pastors that are going to be watching this, no matter where they are or, or denomination, so many pastors are going to be watching this and dealing with that even today, even as they watch this. And what did that look like for you? Let me frame it this way. A dear friend of mine, Chaplain Robert Crick, age 89, now just retired from institutional chaplaincy, placed over 5,000 chaplains into professional ministry in institutions of uh, prisons and hospitals, military, law enforcement, stated to me, Half the pastors he knew were in this deep, dark, black hole, and half of them were pastor megachurches. However, he said they have all put on tight-fitting Superman suits, <laughs> and they've left themselves no wiggle room. So uh, aside from the perfectionist, type A personality, drivenness, unrealistic expectation of myself, was this sense that I was always in emergency mode. The red light was always on. And uh, I, I made the distinction in my story that 
I could not tell the difference between corporate and personal burdens of care. So as a pastor, as I believe, as a caring pastor, as a loving pastor, I tried to carry everyone's burden as empathetically, as incarnationally, as I felt a, a, a minister of the gospel should. Um, so I was hard-headed and slow learning how important it was to distribute uh, burden of care. Admittedly, we had five staff persons on board at the time, probably had tapered to 250, 275 in attendance. We had departmental leadership who were helping to uh, carry that burden, but I still insisted that I had to I had to carry my share, maybe more than my share. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. So you talked about um, you know having that red light on and is in, in emergency mode, and uh, I guess uh, we found I guess from the book talked about uh, there were 17 nights in a row with where you went without sleeping. Uh, can you walk us through that for you? I certainly can. And while Mark, I should have uh, I should have known that there were indications leading up to the crisis that happened. I was away from home at MIP commissioning. I coordinate ministerial development for our organization in Eastern North Carolina, 16 hours fully sex accredited, uh, transferable for our school of ministry to Lee University, uh, practicum and academic studies, 10 month intensive. And we were finishing our year of education. We were in Cleveland, Tennessee. We were doing commissioning, which is a sending forth of these graduates into uh, various fields of ministry. My wife and I had just traveled in to Cleveland that day and we were exhausted. We were tired. We made a light dinner and um, she went to bed. I should have followed her immediately, but I checked emails and reviewed a few pieces of information on the computer and something triggered. I'll never say God forbid that this was the inciting factor. There were indicators ever before we got here, but something triggered the onset of this crisis. And all of a sudden I began to experience chemical changes in my body that created the most horrendous fear as well as neuroreceptor burning sensation symptoms. Mm. And my first ever experience of what I now know was a severe panic attack that stole my sleep all night long and became a worse and worse health crisis through the early morning hours. I did not sleep for the next 16 nights after that. I can honestly say I went 17 nights no sleep, but a snag nap here or there throughout the course of the days that followed and hoping and thinking this is a one or two day health event. When I get home, I'll be okay. That was not the case. It went from bad to worse. It went from bad to worse fast. That switch that you spoke of, uh, Paul, mm -hmm. that switch broke. It honestly felt to me, there was a sensation inside my being that felt like a switch throwing, a toggle throwing that all of a sudden caused me to lose control. My, I am certain my endocrine system went afoul. The neurotransmitters in my brain got confused, a hypothalamus, which is the switching station between neurotransmission and endocrine 
hormonal en enzymatic output began fouling. And I could not lay down at night as I once had been able, throw the switch, turn off the burdens of care that I had for people that I loved and get my rest. All of a sudden now, the, the most horrendous fears and symptoms of clinical depression way below that, way below ground zero into severe panic attacks begin to happen. I didn't, I really didn't know how to recognize what was transpiring at first. I had to be told later what was happening in my body. Yeah. And I, and I pushed the envelope guys. I pushed the envelope way beyond when I should have sought help and, and it got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Um, so you did get to that point. So it, it's nearing day 14, day 15, day 16. And so what at the end, of all that, that, that period, what happened where you were like, what was that like where you're finally saying, I can't no more. I can't do, I can't do this anymore. What did that look like? Well, after losing 45 pounds in six weeks, losing my appetite, I was told my adrenal system was emptying into my digestive tract and it was, it was uh, causing me not to be hungry. My brain was telling my body I did not need food. And aside from all the developmental and worsening symptoms that were transpiring, I stood in front of the church, horrified the day that I went. My wife protected me like an animal coward in a cage. Getting up in front of those people, her fearing I'd collapse right there or have a severe panic attack right there and have to call 911 on the spot. And by the way, 15 or 20 medical professionals in the church advising me, I needed help. Your stroke candidate, high blood pressure, high heart rate. You can't keep doing like this. Stood in front of that congregation, said, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm certainly not as spiritual as I thought I was. I need your prayers. And we went into the altar space that day and immediately our elders rushed with their wives and families and the congregation behind them laid hands on us, began to weep and cry out to the Lord and to pray and to seek his face. God gave me a touch that day. And it was a touch of hope and encouragement, but it was not a touch of healing, not at least immediately manifest. So there came a point, but a few days later, uh, Paul, that my wife and my daughter had to take control. They were begging me to see a medical professional and I was re I was refusing. They, they, were, uh, they themselves were beginning, my wife especially beginning to lose rest. And they finally just took the bull by the horns and says, we're going to go see a doctor. Now I'm grateful it happened to be Dr. Donald Rivero who is a wonderful Christian medical professional, himself a pastor of the Ormansville Baptist Church, who empathetically and sincerely understood what I was going through. And I never made the first visit to his office that he did not lay his hands on me and pray for me. But not even that was easy because the first thing he began to do was write out a Paxil prescription and I had a tantrum right there in his office. I don't know who heard me down the halls, but <laughs> I cut up. Yeah. I just went into a squall mode and I said, I'm not doing this. I am not going to ruin my ministry as a druggie. I'm not going to take medication and then decry my faith that I've attested all these years about my confidence that Christ can heal me. This was a long journey for me. And at that point I was only in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a, that's a yeah. good story. That's deep. Yeah. Uh, I had the next question phrase, but just hearing that, it's just it's just boggling my mind. Yeah. But uh, so we went over the a statistic at the beginning uh, of your intro, where 129 Americans take their lives daily. 
which to me was alarmingly high. Had no idea it was that high, let alone the people who are actually diagnosed with depression. And not even that, what's even more alarming to me is those who are untreated and, and not diagnosed. Yeah. Um, yes. Can you, so, so can you go over the statistics uh, of depression in America for us? I would honor to do that, Mark and Paul. And let's take it a step further. 129 suicides a day collectively is more than all lives lost in wars, homicides, and natural disasters. More people suffer depression in the United States than suffer coronary disease, cancer, or HIV AIDS. Mm. Half of the people who take their lives, by the way, happens to be the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, second leading cause of death in the United States for ages 10 through 31. And for those of us who are passionate about young people and burdened about their destinies and their futures, that should alarm us. Second leading cause of death, and as a funeral director, a gentleman, and I say it with, it, with the, the modesty that it deserves, you can't know the pain I feel as we are working with the bodies of young people whose lives have been lost to suicide because for whatever reason they lost hope, they despaired, and they felt like there was no way out of this. 50% of people who suffer depression take their lives. Uh, women are four times more likely to try it than men. Men are twice as likely to succeed. Add alcohol into the mix, and that percentage of 50 rises to 75% of persons who take their lives or in one way or, or another affected by uh, that's not, clinical depression that's or the addition of alcohol or mind-altering drugs that accentuate the grief and make the problem worse. Yeah. Now, the greatest hope is this. 80 to 90% of people who seek help find relief, at least some. Uh, it isn't to say necessarily that depression is curable, but it's manageable, and that's the expression of hope that I that I have to share. you you got to know that as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, me getting to a point where I was willing to accept medical assistance and believe that God, through my faith in his healing virtue, could use medical professions and modern medicine to help me feel better was a huge, huge hurdle. Hmm. I, I know Christians who need to hear this. Yep. I know ministers yep. who need mm -hmm. to hear this. That, that's, and that, that's wonderful. That are medical they're instruments of righteousness in the hands of God. And uh, so I'm grateful for the for, for the lesson that I learned and the, and, the, and the story that has since developed, but I want others to hear it as well. Why need we suffer in silence? Yeah, and that's um, there's a statistic that's in your book, and it says uh, that 75% of families dealing with chronic disease end in divorce. And is it the stress or just the totality of all these uh, factors, all these circumstances put together? And how do we bring that number from 75% of families in the divorce? How do we bring that number down? I'll be honest with you. I have a perception that may not be accurate. I'll share what it is and you can help me reflect upon it. I'm not certain that 
I'm not certain that everybody understands the difference between a contract and a covenant to begin with. Mm -hmm. Marriage is a covenant, but I think most people who unite in marriage probably see the form of agreement used, whether it's the marriage license from the county uh, clerk's office or whether it's the officiating of a magistrate judge or a minister of the gospel, they see that agreement as more uh, of a contract than they do a covenant. There's a huge difference. Covenant is unilateral. God sets the terms of it, and thank God he loves us covenantally. And he basically says to us, I will love you no matter what. You can turn your back on me and walk away from me, but I'm going to still love you. And then he beseeches us to express that kind of love in our marriage. So my first response is, you use the phrase totality of it all. Stress, yes. Totality of it all, probably. Because people who marry may not understand, as they're marrying, the nature of a covenant relationship and the empathetic, self-giving, agape, willing to die for you, kind of love, stand in harm's way for you, kind of love that a marriage relationship should reflect. Just like the love that God has for us, Christ, who gave himself for it. So consequently, when crisis occurs, I mean, when we stood at that marriage altar, she was beautiful. He was handsome. What if an automobile accident happens down the road and both of you are defaced? What if that? What if impotency happens because of some sort of a medical crisis? What if age occurs and wrinkles happen on your face and, and neither of us look as handsome or dark out gorgeous as we deal on the day of the wedding? So I think it does have to do with totality, consequently a lack of commitment. When my wife needs me most, and or when I needed her most, how grateful I will ever be that she was empathetic, caring, and selfless, and she helped me through. I say that she was the savior God sent to protect me from self-destruction. So I think it has to do with the quality of love. You know, in the English language, we have one for, one love for word. It's love. Uh, uh, one word for love. It's love. L-O-V-E. In Greek, there's four words, storge, which is family love, eros, which is sensual love, philios, which is friendship love, but agape, which is God's love. And we don't know that love until we have a face-to-face, personal, developmental relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that's the biggest deal of all. Yeah, that, that, that was very well put uh, as far as marriage, the difference between marriage. It's, uh, and I see that a lot where people think it's a contract and not a covenant and, and the difference <laughs> between those right wow that's amazing wow consequently, consequently contracts are meant to be broken right fine print right. suggest that right. and Especially so when it happens that. breach right part yeah. company right. goes separate ways mm-hmm. and that's yeah that's, so if, if we could that could be a whole a whole another show right there but uh so <laughs> I, I feel he's I feel uh, Pastor Wayne is going to be a recurring guest. Yeah, I am definitely. stunned by this interview. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you. If you could narrow down uh, the purpose of this book here, uh, what or if you narrow down the purpose of the book to one hope, what would that be? Well, I have a definition for hope, uh, Mark. I think the definition of hope is the supernatural confidence that things will get better. Maybe not immediately, maybe not instantly, but eventually. It is a book about hope, albeit the title Deep Dark Black Hole doesn't, doesn't uh, <laughs> jump off the page <laughs> hope, but right. 
it sounds despairing. I want you to finish the book so that you don't harm yourself before you do. (laughs) (laughs) It is a book about hope. Hope is faith on tiptoe. Hope is forward looking faith. The soup, this is the floor definition of hope, the supernatural confidence that things will get better. But we have to be willing to admit we need help. We have to be willing to reach out to and ask for help and accept and receive it when it comes our way. And we have to believe that God and his overarching purposes is pointing us in the right direction. And however he does it, through a miracle of healing that's manifestly instantaneous or through the help of medical professionals and and caring psychologists, psychiatrists and caregivers, God will help us through this crisis and we will learn something about his faithfulness and empathy for human suffering as he does. God told me, and I know this isn't even a part of this conversation, maybe it can be later because the beyond chapter 16 entitled Danger, Danger come the first words from the Lord and he spoke to me four times, but God told me he was reforming me, refashioning me into a better person. Now, my wife says that I am a better person. We've been married 45 years. She ought to know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anybody, right? I, I, you know, we're, so we're sitting here and obviously we have time limits on the interviews, um, that we do. I don't want, like, I don't want this one to end. Right. I feel I could talk to, and I've, I've read a good port. I got the book on, on Friday. And so I've got, I was able to get a good portion done and I'm notorious. I do audible, you know, so I'm notorious for just letting other people read to me, but I, this is, this is wonderful. But now that I've talked to you. I, I kind of want to just go hang out on your couch and just talk to you <laughs> for a long, long time, if that makes any sense. But I, I am yes, certain, you know, that the book is just like, just like that. This is, I, it's crazy. Yeah, we, we, we maybe we just do another uh, another series podcast of couch time with Mark and Paul. We might need that, right. and we we just come to your house and film this thing. Right. I don't know. Listen, there are there are so many people. There are so many pastors. Uh, people beyond limits family there are so many people that struggle silently you know i uh we were to get we were in the 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 police force together and there's they take it home they they take it home they see things that you can't even imagine then they take it home and they they throw it away because the next day they got to go back and do it again they can't carry it but it keeps getting stored pastors are the same way they take on all these these struggles of everybody else and they never they never look in. Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to them for you know to help solve their problems, and and they're hearing it and hearing it, and you know who right. who's there for them, right? Oh my goodness. Right. Well, you will, you'll notice, gentlemen, there is a statistic in the book that we state. By the way, I tried my very best to use uh, up to date medical journals for any research. I'm not a medical professional, mm-hmm. so I consulted. Uh, persons who were. So I use up-to-date medical journals for the insight, the data, the statistics that are shared. Ministers are twice as likely to suffer uh, anxiety disorder, clinical depression, any other people professions. But you just mentioned law enforcement. Mm-hmm. This is true for any people profession where you guys care about what you did. And by the, let me just say thank you 
for your devotion to law enforcement and your willingness to protect our lives. We live in a very, very dangerous, uncertain hour right now. That needs to be said. But I'm a chaplain for Eastern Pines Fire Department. I was with them the past Monday evening. I was requested to share briefly my story. And a, a fireman stood up right behind me and he looked to the president and said, did he know I was coming? He says, no, uh, I didn't know he was coming. No. And he and he stood up and for 10 minutes shared a very moving story about his testimony and how as 20 years, uh, 26 years, actually, as a fireman in EMT, he had seen stuff that he could shake. And guys, we got to process it. We got to talk it out. We got to debrief. We got to have somebody that we can unbear our souls to who will empathetically understand and help us get this stuff off our chest because we experience we experience things that are too shocking for mortal human beings to process in any caregiving profession. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what an interview. Dr. Um, Dr. Flora, pastor, uh, Wayne, yes, uh, we yes. want seriously, I mean, uh, this has been so great. Um, we want to thank you for taking the time to come hang out with, with us too, but more importantly, hanging out with our, our family, the beyond uh, limits family with, with so many people that are, quietly suffering alone we're absolutely certain that your book is going to be a huge help to them definitely and and if you are part of the beyond limits family and you need help yeah please let us know our team will help you get connected with someone that will help you fight through this battle you are not alone there are tons of people out there experiencing the same thing that you are but you've got you've got to you've got to let us know you've got to ask for help yeah, hey, and if you, so here's something that we encourage you to do. There's a few more things we're going to just quickly go through. But listen, if you're going through something right now, if you were up all late last night and the night before and you're struggling with something, hey, you know what? Maybe it is Maybe it's something that you did even. Maybe it's not something that's just onset by other consequences, but something that you've done that you're trying to get past. We serve a God that knew what you were going to do, before yes. he ever sent his son to die for you, that's how much he loves us. And so what we ask you to do, if you are going through something silently and you're struggling, don't struggle anymore. And if, if, if it don't need, you don't even have to make it public. You can message our page in secret and we will get you hooked up with whoever, whoever Thank it you. needs to be. But don't do this alone. Don't you dare go through it alone. We don't want to read from any newspaper about any one of our family members, our Beyond Limits family members, having watched this and not taken action. Right. Definitely. Slide in those DMs, as they say. Yeah, that's AIM. You've got mail. You've got mail. We are are here for you. Uh, Pastor Wayne, this book is phenomenal. Can't thank you enough. Thank you for coming on. Do you mind if I share how they can get a copy? Yes, absolutely. And we're going to drop a link for them below, too. In the um, comments, yeah. But, yeah, here you go. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Target, Walmart, any place you can purchase books online. We do have a website, floralworkspublications.com, F-L-O-R-A-W-O-R-K-S, publications.com. And if they will use the code BEYOND10, BEYOND10, 10% discount, we pay shipping and handling. I will autograph it, write a message of cheer in it. The autograph means absolutely nothing until I turn my toes, but if you'll hold on long enough for me to go to Jesus, it might mean something to you later. <laughs> Alright, so there you go. Hey, Beyond Limits family, Beyond 10. Beyond 10, that's going to give you a 10% off. Um, make sure you visit that website. 
we're going to make it easy. We're going to drop the link. So all you got to do is scroll up to the title, click that hyperlink. Uh, when you tap on it, you're going to be directed straight to um, Pastor Wayne's page. So you can get this book. You need this book. You need That's it. this Get one book. for you, one for your friend. And if, yeah, if you know somebody struggling, right. I'm, I'm serious. You yes. might be, God is sending you. God is sending you for that person. You might be the only hope that they're ever going to see this side of heaven. Please don't, don't, just don't forget how significant these little things are. They are not insignificant. They, man, by no means. What a meeting. That's it. Thank you, Pastor Wayne. Yes. Again. Thank you, Mark and Paul. I'm truly honored, and I bless your ministry. Thank you very much. Have have a great. uh, Monday, Monday. Have a great Monday morning, uh, Pastor Wayne. Beyond Limits family, this is how we're going to end today. We want y'all to have a great week. Yes, have a great week. We've got a lot of really awesome interviews coming up and a lot of positive things that are happening. We are so excited yes, and, yes. and stoked for But y'all have a great week, and we are here for you. Remember that. More importantly, God is here for you. We love you. Yep. Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> have a good Monday. Yep. Beyond Limits family. It's Paul and Mark. We're out.